Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. Excited to have you listening in again, and always grateful for your shares with your friends and your colleagues and subscribing to this podcast. Every month we keep growing, and it's because of you being here and listening to these amazing guests that we're able to have on, sharing just profound wisdom and helping you get the best practices you possibly can in your business. And today is no exception. Today we have our special guest being Dr. Chris, Chris, I was gonna say Christopher, and then you just told me to say Chris. <laughs> and then it became Chris. Chris. <laughs> so Thanks Chris so Seta, much, I don't want to sound like your mom. Christopher. <laughs> you did that surprisingly well. Mom, if you're listening to this, wow, you must have spoken to my mother before. I, I've had three kids, so that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited to have you, not only because you have your podcast, which is one of the top 10 orthodontic podcasts in the country, the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast, right? That's a great name too. I just love the idea of illuminating so orthodontists, much. right? Yeah. Thank so, you. so grateful to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, and I believe what, what that one blog said is that uh, we were listed as top 10 orthodontic podcasts on the planet. On the planet. Was, on That's the planet. Right. So, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. That um, is pretty cool. You know, I don't know neat. if people are listening to us in Mars or, you know, the other parts of the Milky Way, but <laughs> some aliens are like, let's listen to this podcast <laughs> real quick. It's hiding. So for those of you watching on YouTube, I had to rock a floral shirt here for Dino because I'm always impressed with his shirts. It's so amazing. I love it. Yeah. yeah. That, that and the power. red jacket. Like I read, I, I like my red jacket that I wear on a stage too. So yeah. Listen, all of my clothing is totally brought to you by my wife. Like I, I would be in a, a hoodie and a t-shirt right now <laughs> and on stage. As a matter of fact, I'm, I know I'm going to do this, even though I'm going to spoil, like spoiler alert, everybody, I'm going to do this. But when we get back to being able to be on stages and stuff like that, yeah. I'm the, probably the first time I get up on a stage, I will be wearing the night, you know, my normal nice shirt, my jacket, and most likely shorts, right? Because that's what we're all used to now for the past, being on webinars and stuff, party on the, you know, was it business on the top, party on the bottom, right? Where you're wearing shorts or sweats underneath some people, not anything at all. So I'm going to be walking up on that stage with just shorts on. Just I think that that's fun. a great idea. In fact, if anyone is watching on YouTube, I've got, I got the shorts on. Here. Oh, you do have the shorts on. <laughs> <laughs> I, awesome. I don't know if you saw that that clip of Cole Johnson. Uh, I think it was at the, uh, I think that was Kyle's TDO conference. And uh -huh. he gave this great speech and then he got up at the end and he had biker shorts on. So yeah. it was hilarious. Totally. It's a way to do it. <laughs> I love it. And that's what we're all used to. So uh, why not play with it when we get back? Well, yep. excited yeah. to have you on. Excited to talk about a few things. Uh, before we get started on anything, I always love to hear people's stories, their journey, because I think stories are what connect us all. Of so course. tell us a little bit about your background. Why did you decide orthodontics? Why did you get into this space? We'd love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think my story in terms of how I got into dentistry uh, isn't that unique, but it does get a little more interesting afterwards. Um, so I came uh, from a family of a, a long line of, of doctors. My grandfather was a first-generation Italian-American he came from a large family and uh, the family all worked very hard to put my grandfather through medical school here in the States. 
he went on to uh, practice uh, sort of family medicine, but he also participated in World War II, mm. um, where he was an anesthesiologist. Wow. And then my, my father actually was an ophthalmologist. And, uh, you know, so I, I guess it was sort of in my blood, if you will, to become a healthcare provider. But, you know, I remember as a child, my dad would have these ophthalmology journals laying around and they literally be like, you know, enucleating an eyeball or something. And I was very squeamish growing up. So <laughs> I, like, I, no I could way. sort of handle blood in the mouth, but anything else was way too much for me. So so I sort of just uh, had an inkling, I guess, for dentistry. I always had great experiences there. Um, I didn't necessarily have a pivotal or defining moment uh, in terms of uh, going into the field, but I had a great experience and I loved my outcome and, and the confidence I got from my smile. So I think where my story gets a little more interesting is after I got into dental school, uh, just because my journey became a little more circuitous, I, uh, right after graduating, I did a general practice residency I actually practiced as a general dentist for three years. Wow. Um, then uh, right around when there was that big downturn of the economy, 2007, 2009, sure. that's when I decided to go back for my orthodontic training at Jacksonville. Uh, so and me, were you just inspired because of what it's in like, what did you just want to specialize in something? What was the reason for that? Yeah, good question. So I, I in the back of my mind, always really really loved orthodontics. Um, There were certain things that I really enjoyed with general dentistry. I particularly loved the cosmetic aspects, whether Mm -hmm. it was, you know, bonding, veneers, um, there was other procedures I liked. But for me, everyone always has such fun and and wants to be at the orthodontist. And that's not always the case at the dentist's office. Um, So just that energy I was really attracted to. Um, Yeah. So as far as, uh, you know, once I became an orthodontist, um, I was mentioning to you in the pre-interview, I uh, practiced in New Jersey as an associate for uh, six years up there. And then most recently, uh, finally convinced my wife to move down to Florida and we're located in St. Petersburg, Florida now. That's awesome. That's great. And you work for which office right now? So right now I'm with uh, Blue Wave Orthodontics, Mm -hmm. uh, which is in the Tampa Bay area, Florida. And I work with a gentleman named Dr. Randy Fellman, who... A lot of you might have heard he's, he's been on the speaking circuit. Nice. Very cool. Well, that's great. You know, I, I always find that there's typically about three reasons why people get into the career that they do. And one of them is it was just kind of in my blood. It was just, it was not a big decision that was made. Sometimes it's like, oh, I had a big accident and something traumatic happened and this person helped me. And so I got inspired by that. Or the other one what it is, you know, I kind of fell into it when I was in school, I wasn't really thinking about it. And then I went, okay, sure. Why not try it out? Uh, But yours is one that I actually find very interesting because I come from a family where there is no, you know, big, you know, line of anything, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. there's no, but when you have that and you grow up around and you see it, like you said, even growing up around the healthcare world, you, I, I feel like a lot of times you, you kind of get that empathy for people. You understand the power of healing people. I think it's very, very cool that you do that. So great. Love to, oh, love you. to hear that journey. What has been the most surprising thing about this journey or taking on this career so far for you? Oh, good question. Hmm. Most surprising thing. I would say, you know, uh, I would think just getting out of school, you think you can sort of just join a practice and everything's going to run perfectly smoothly. 
but there's there's sort of a big learning curve and transition into getting out into practice mm. and uh nothing is 100 percent perfect uh no practice that you join is going to have their systems down 100 percent and sometimes we think that coming out of school that you know you can just sort of walk into a situation and uh step in and everything's going to be running completely efficient efficiently sure. Sure. Uh, but I just haven't found that to be the case and that's okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. And that's, that's where you do the most learning. I think speaking of that, I want to kind of dive into, I think you're the first guest that we've had on who's been an associate for such a long period of time. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I feel yeah. like there is a, there's a need for the docs that are listening to this and doesn't matter what industry they're in, whether they're dentists, orthodontists, chiropractors, that finding someone who is a passionate uh, associate, uh, not, not that they're passionate about being an associate, but they're passionate about what they do and they right. bring that to the, their associate situation. So tell me about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And for yourself, what makes you a really good associate? What do you think is that special sauce for you? Of course. Uh, so I'll say right off the bat that you know, it's been a learning curve. I probably was not the best associate coming right out of either dental school or out of orthodontic residency uh, for that matter. In, in uh, what way? Do you mean like you were, you thought more highly of yourself than maybe you should have, or you thought it was gonna be easier than it was? Like what way do you feel like you weren't the best? I, I would say that I think a lot of associates might have the mentality that, hey, I'm just here and to show up and the patients are going to be there and, you know, I'll do the work and, you know, I'll sort of do the nine to five. And I'm just a workhorse. Home. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly as an associate, uh, you know, right out of orthodontic training, I, I did work six days a week and, you know, that that's a whole different kind of grind. Sure. Um, but I, I just think in, early on, I sort of had that mentality that I could just show up and things were going to, again, sort of be running smoothly, see patients and go home. And what I've learned uh, throughout this journey, you know, especially uh, the past eight years as an associate orthodontist, is that the patients aren't guaranteed to be there. Mm -hmm. so, so part of being a good associate is getting out there promoting yourself, you can't expect the, um, the owner doctor to be promoting you. If they do, that's great, but it's not necessarily their job either. So promoting yourself, attracting new patients, and leading the team as well. So I was always very reticent to want to do anything on the leadership management front. If there was sort of an issue I had with a team member, I would just you know, I thought my duty was just to pass that along to the owner. Very different in the past couple of years. I just take that onus on myself and I want to lead the team. I'm driving what's getting done in the office. Um, and Chris, again, yeah. I, it's been a, it's been a transformation for me because I probably did a lot of things wrong right off the bat. Well, I got to tell you, I think that is probably what, well, it's definitely the first huge nugget that I hope people who are listening to this, especially if you're in an associate situation or you're a doc looking for an associate when you're doing your interviews like that, I can't tell you how valuable that is to have that lesson and learn that. That's probably one of the first or the main things that I have docs ask me about when it comes to hiring an associate. How do I find somebody? 
who will help me, who will be a leader, who will, you know, be a part of the culture and not just coming in, you know, for their days or their hours and then leaving. That's fine and good. And we, and, and that's part of it, right? We need that extra body there to help out. But what helps the business grow is when you have that mindset. I wrote both of those down as you were talking because the self-promotion, the, uh, in, you know, in the attorney world, it's called being that rainmaker, right? Going out and actually cultivating that business, being able to know that your job isn't just to sit there and hope that stuff comes to you and you're not, you know, being paid by the hour type situation. That's such an important mindset. And then to top on, on, on top of that, leading the team and taking ownership. As soon as you said that, actually, when you're like, yeah, when I thought that I had a problem with the employee, I just passed it along. The, men, the, the mental picture I had was the doc just kind of slumping and being like, oh, one more thing I got to deal with. Like, it's like you being able to take that off of their plate is huge. Right. And I never, I never saw that as my responsibility, I guess. I just thought like I was doing the right thing by passing this information off. Yeah. Sure. But, if, but now sort of being able to see it from their side, like you said, you're just sort of, it's one more thing for them to have to deal with. And if you can take care of that for them, it, you know, it's huge. Um, but Why just to you... tie back in with yeah. what you were saying, as far as self-promotion, mm -hmm. you know, it's not self-promotion to promote yourself as the best or anything like that. But no. one of the challenges I, I really dealt with in the beginning was that Nobody wanted to see Dr. Seta. Everyone wanted to see yeah. the practice owner. And, you know, that was, that's really testament that I've worked with some great doctors. Um, I'll just name drop here. Dr. Harry Long is a general dentist. Uh, Jason Rothenberg, Mike DeLuca. Um, so, the, you know, the issue is that those, those patients already have a relationship with that doctor and they just yep. don't know you. So if you put yourself out there a little bit more, share your personal interests. Um, you know, I see that something being more common now than with my father's generation is that you would never talk about your personal life. But mm. the reason you do that on social media is so people can find a connection with you. That's right. And it's, and it's so important for them to have that. People are now in this uh, phase of where we're, we're buying the personality, we're buying the connection, that relationship that we have with someone else. And the more they can know about you, on a, on a practical level, right? They don't need to know all the good, bad, and ugly, right? They, but they want to know that you're a human being, that you um, can connect with them on some way. I absolutely agree. Like you said, it's not about promoting yourself. It's about promoting you as another extension to the office you're in, right? It makes them better. It makes them feel more exciting. It's interesting. We do this in the corporate world. Right. When Disney hires a new CEO from another company, they promote it. They talk about it. Hey, look at this new person. Right. When Bob Iger left, everybody's like, oh, Bob Iger's gone. Who's going to take over? Bob Iger was not the, the product, but he was supporting the product. And that's what you as an associate do is you support the product and make those doctors look better. So I love that you're doing that and that you, you see that. Where was the realization moment for you? Uh, actually, I want to ask another question too when we go back. I want to ask where was that realization of like, oh, I can be a little more self-promoting. Oh, I can be a little bit more of a leader. But also, I'm a, I'm a, I know the answer is no. I just like to ask questions that I already know the answer. Go for to, it. But... It's all right. <laughs> I do that too. 
zero conversation about this in school, I'm assuming. Oh, uh, I certainly can't remember that coming up. Ever. Right? <laughs> like, you would think, you would think the majority of graduates are going to be associates, like the majority of them. Yeah. You would think that would be at least, you know, a quarter, a semester, something about how do we be great associates. And I know there's a weird technical stuff, but yeah. 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 And you know, one other point I was listening to your interview with uh, Alyssa Carter recently, and she mentioned the fact that a lot of times as new graduates, you come out and you have all the best technology and residency and you have access to absolutely everything, but you don't need all the toys and gadgets to be successful. And I think, you know, coming out of school, I thought, you know, I I need X, Y, and Z to really uh, do great orthodontics. And, you know, it's, it's great to have the toys and tools, um, but that's not the be all end all. So just, you know, work with what you have as an associate, Um, you know, don't come in with a list of all these things that, that you need either or toys and gadgets or, uh, even in terms of maybe team members and personnel, just just blend in in the beginning and absorb things. And then after you're there for a year or so and, and you gain trust, um, at that point, maybe share some some feedback with the practice owner. Love it. Love it. So when was that aha moment for you? When was that pivot for you? When you were uh, like, oh, you know yeah, what? I, can- I, I don't think there was necessarily a pivotal moment, um, but because I did uh, move most recently to uh, Florida, uh, I certainly, uh, with the current practice, I'm a little bit more on my own. Uh, oh. Whereas in the other situations, I was working side by side with the doctor. So I think it, it for me, it just took me sort of uh, being separate and uh, being thrown into my own situation to figure all that out. Nice. Okay. So one of the things that I hope that we get across here for, if you're an associate listening to this, if you're a doc looking for an associate, like I mentioned a moment ago during the hiring process, I think it's really important to have this open conversation about that promoting the practice idea, um, promoting yourself idea, and then also leading the team. Are there any other like nuggets you think that people should be, the doctors should be talking to the potential associate about before they hire them? Uh, so the, that the owner should be talking to the associates yeah. about? Yep. You know, I would, I would say one of the biggest things is, is probably, and, and I've heard this mentioned multiple times in terms of like a group interview setting, is sometimes the owner doctor will just interview the associate and not really get the team involved too. But if you oh, want to have a really good culture fit, you have to make sure that the associate is going to get along with the team members. And, you know, not saying that the team is going to have the final say in which associate but a lot of times it's just sort of like a wave during the interview. I think it makes sense to have your team members sit down with the associate and sort of feel them out. And, and, you know, that's also another set of eyes and ears on that person to determine, you know, are they a good culture fit? That's brilliant. That is really, really smart because, you know, we often think about that. I definitely promote that when it comes to hiring a new team member, but the associate is going to be a new team member, right? And Mm -hmm. they have a different role to play, but they definitely are a new team member. And to have the team get to know them and have some sort of buy-in. And like you said, they might not have the final say, but maybe they'll pick up on something you are not picking up on. Maybe Mm -hmm. they're going to see something that's not quite a fit and a concern that maybe you're not seeing. It's a really, really smart way to do it. So 
there are three areas that I would really recommend for doctors to, to think about, owners to think about, is that conversation around self-promotion, leading, being willing to lead and be a participant in the business side of things. By the way, um, well, I'll get to that. And then the third is that team involvement. Let me ask you this then. I'm going to ask this question based upon the, the, the thought I just had. You're on your own now. You said a lot more. You're in an office yes. where you're kind of on your own. Are you actively then learning more about the business side of owning a business? And is that something that you have been lucky enough to be kind of mentored in during that time? You know, I, I certainly did get a fair amount of mentorship uh, in terms of working side by side with the practice owners. And, and I, I did absolutely pick up a lot. Um, but sometimes as well, they would sort of handle a lot of things behind the scenes that I wasn't aware of. And now that I have a little bit more freedom on my own, I can, I'll sort of encounter these issues and figure them out on my own, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I would actually throw out there too is, Docs and owners of the business have the op- you know take the opportunity to not only mentor them in the business side of things, which I know many of them are learning at, on their own as well, right? They're learning as they go as well, sure. but use that as an opportunity to delegate responsibilities so that associate can learn. I personally, if I was interviewing a new associate, one of the things I would talk about for sure is how I expect them to help me grow the practice by learning some of the business principles, whether they ever go on to own their own practice in their lifetime or not, but to be able to know how business is running so I can be more, they can be more sensitive to situations that I'm having to deal with so they can be uh, more helpful in those situations. And I can delegate a few of those responsibilities over. And that'd be really, really smart. Yeah. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about your podcast and how that oh, came awesome. to be, um, why you decided to get into this crazy world of podcasting. And, uh, you know, I feel like anybody's in podcasting feels like they have a voice that they want to share, some ideas they want to share. So let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess the genesis of the podcast coming about was I, I was just an avid podcast listener myself. And, um, you know, one of my favorite orthodontic podcasts, which, which I'm sure everyone's familiar with, is the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lance decided to uh, take a break from the podcast for a while. And uh, I remember the day that he announced that, I think it was on Kyle Fagula's show, there was just this like little voice in my head like, oh my God, you got to start a podcast. Uh, and, nice. uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do have a lot going on, uh, both professionally and personally. And I knew my wife would probably kill me if I just said, <laughs> said honey, I'm just going to start a podcast on top of, you know, everything else that I, that I do. And so I spent about six months trying to talk myself mentally out of not doing the podcast. Uh, and uh, it was just this weird sort of calling that I, I just felt like, you know, I, I really have to do this. And uh, what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to come out and uh, replicate the shows that I was a big fan of mm. and just try to uh, sort of copy them. So mm. um, one of my, my biggest mantras, and, and I'm sure if you've listened to any of my interviews or heard it before, but I'm a big Steve Jobs fan. So I, I yep. love that Think Different campaign. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to do a podcast, how is my podcast going to be different than what's already been done? 
Um, so I happen to be a musician. I know a lot about like microphones and the technical recording thing. Nice. So I knew that I wanted to have really awesome sound quality. I Good. knew that I wanted to do in-person interviews. And, and I think this is amazing what you do sort of uh, through Zoom. Uh, but for me, like I mentioned in the pre-interview, I'm not the best live. So I love the idea of uh, <laughs> editing it. I also, um, you know, I do think there's some kind of like weird sort of kinetic energy that happens when people connect in person. And I don't know how to explain it, but my goal yeah, with totally. the podcast is to capture it. So in music, when uh, two musicians get together for like a jam session and, and, and it gets really frenetic, we use that term mojo. So yep. I'm just trying to capture the mojo of when two people get together and, and just start riffing off each other in that conversation. And I want my podcast listener to feel like they're right there in the room with us. I love it. I think it's a great idea. And I love, I, I love that too. Like, I, I don't know if you're a fan of like a Joe Rogan or something like that podcast, but that yeah. in-person thing, a hundred percent. I love that. How are you dealing with that with COVID and, you know, not being able to get together with people right now? Oh, that's been the interesting part. So <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had uh, quite a few suggestions of, of going to the remote format. Um, basically I just went into hiding for three months and decided nice. not to put out a show. Uh, uh, I guess I wanted to maintain my artistic integrity or whatever. Um, but now I'm basically road tripping to guests and staying properly socially distanced. And, and nice. Yeah, but, so so one other, I'm sorry, uh, just one other thing with the, yeah. the podcast is my focus is specifically, um, you might've heard on some of the other interviews, I, I invented an orthodontic product. Mm -hmm. And I never really knew how the steps to take as an inventor, how to bring a product to market. And I think there's a lot of people that have done it out there, uh, both modern times people and people maybe who've done this over the past 10, 20 years. And no one's really come out with the story. Like how, how do you bring a product, if you're an inventor, how do you get it into the right hands? Right. So, so I'm really trying to shine a spotlight on different innovators and inventors. And it's not just people that have products, it's creative people, people that are doing some new, cool and exciting stuff. Uh, so that's sort of the, the the goal of the podcast. And so far, it's gotten some pretty nice feedback. I love that. Yeah, it has. That's great. Uh, so I was going to ask, then you take all your equipment and everything and go to them on a road trip and then have that interview. Yep. Nice. It's sort of crazy. It makes that's no sense. So my, my last interview, I interviewed uh, Dr. Dave Paquette in Charlotte, and that was a 10-hour round trip drive. And uh Nicole and my puppy Jagger came along and I was, uh, was going to say, Hey honey, we'll see you in 10 hours. I'm going to uh, do a podcast. She came and, and I haven't re revealed this before, but Jagger got car sick on the ride and was oh, like, vomiting no. overnight. And I was up half the night and somehow I pulled it together for an interview. So. Wow. That's amazing. Well, you know why it's, <laughs> it makes sense though, because you're a musician. And musicians will do like, as a musician, you, you've got to do the gig, right? You got to drive. I guess that's out. what it is. Yeah. And that's totally in your, in your blood. I totally see that. That's great. Yeah. So what has been your favorite thing of, or response of, from the podcast at this point? Oh, um, so, you know, podcasting is very interesting and you probably feel this way too, Dino, is that when you spend all this time putting together a podcast, you sort of throw it out into the ether there. And you sort of don't know, hey, was this really good or like a terrible flop? 
Yeah. Um, because on social media, when you post something on Facebook or Instagram, you automatically get, you know, likes and comments and yep. people say great Instant job or whatever. Instant <laughs> gratification. And a podcast is like so delayed that you're like, you don't even know like how people are receiving it. So, you know, I do really appreciate when people post, uh, you know, uh, rate the podcast or put reviews on Apple podcasts. I'm sure you feel the same way yep. or even just people that send me like a personal message. Hey, really enjoyed that show. That like makes my day. Because it totally no does. Idea right? it totally does. Podcast is terrible or not. So I'll have a random person like at an event that come and be like, Oh yeah, I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm like, that, that's the best. I that's, know it's the best. It, I, I often equate it to the same thing with writing a book, right? Is that you put this thing out there and it's like, okay, judge my baby. Right. Like, like, right. 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 But that's like the, I don't know if you want to call it the energy or the currency to keep creating like we yes. do. Right. Do you know, totally. it's like, because without that, it's sort of like crickets at times. Oh, I'm telling you. I mean, I started my podcast. I've done three now, but this podcast was started um, because I was doing some pre-interviews for uh, an MKS form and mm -hmm. I wanted to help them get some more publicity for it. And I said, oh, I'll do a podcast with all the speakers or whatever. And then I went, you know, I really enjoyed that. So I keep going. We're up to, I think we're up to 83 episodes now. And there are definitely times where I'm going, do I need to keep going with this? But it is it's definitely that, need to. It's that yeah. feedback, right? It's that, it's that feeling of, I love that creation process. That conversation for me is the biggest thing. I could talk to people all day long. I love having that conversation piece. And as you can, and many people have heard this podcast that, and, and as you see now, I don't necessarily have a specific format other than let's have a cool conversation and right. let people listen in on it. Like you were saying earlier, make people kind of feel like they're in, if I'm in the car with them, am I asking the question that they would ask to the guest? Exactly, right. Are we having that conversation that would be a, 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 an actual normal – it's one of the reasons why I like the Joe Rogan podcast because it's so natural. It's just like, okay, let's talk. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I love yeah. it. And, and so, Dean, I have to say um, yeah. you're doing a wonderful job and the amount of content you're able to put out and quality content, it's just amazing to me. So, Oh, thank you. Good I, on, my friend. Uh, thank you. I will. I will. I have no choice to keep it up. I got mortgage. Today, so. Actually, I don't have a mortgage anymore. We sold our house, but still. <laughs> no, I love it. I really do. I enjoy it. I, I've always said if I could, you know, be Oprah Winfrey, I would. I love interviewing people. I love having those conversations, just diving into. I think people are so interesting. I probably would be a really bad uh owner of a practice because I would spend way too much time just diving in and talking to everybody. Right. I wouldn't get anything. And I'm like, Oh, we saw 20 patients today. Everybody else is saying a hundred. Right. So yeah. it would just be bad. But, but believe it or not, I actually like being host more because I like to be able to ask the questions and not have uh -huh. to talk as much. Whereas yep. I, I still get nervous coming on these podcasts. I don't know why. Yep. No, I, I agree. It's normal to get a little butterflies, right? I'm actually a guest later on on a podcast today um, of somebody that I, I had on as a guest, you know, probably six months ago. And I woke up this morning and I was like, oh man, like, have I prepared for that? Like, am I ready? Like, right. <laughs> I know I totally get it. That's why I try to make it as, hopefully I make it as easy. Oh, you do. You do. Yes. 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 For everybody. Well, let me, uh, so, and that's, I want to make sure everybody understands that that is, uh, it's on Apple, uh, iTunes. It's also on uh, right. Stitcher, Apple Spotify, all, right? SoundCloud, Google podcasts and Stitcher. And but, it's the, uh, and it's the illuminate 
orthodontic podcast, right? That's you right got I'm, it. Yep. And really website that. is illuminateorthopodcast.com. Well, you know what? Let's do this too. That's my radio voice. What type of guest? <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, what type of guest are you looking for? So again, what, uh, people I'm looking for, and if there's anyone listening who would yeah. like to be a guest on the show, you know, please reach out to me. Um, but I, again, I'm specifically looking for people that are creatives, people that are innovators in the field of orthodontics, or people who maybe have brought an orthodontic product to market and want to share that experience. I think I would be remiss not to ask too, like let's dive in just for a few minutes. Uh, what is the product that you invented? Sure. So I invented a product uh, with a gentleman named um, Richard K. So I co-invented the product, uh, but it's called Precision Aligner Buttons. And the company that sells that is Dynaflex. And uh, Precision Aligner Buttons are basically the first bondable orthodontic button designed specifically for clear aligners. So previously wow. we had these little metal, we call them buttons or they're mushroom shaped, uh, almost like projections that go on the teeth to wear rubber bands. And the ones that were being used with Invisalign were really sort of designed and intended for braces. And uh, when doctors adapted them to uh, wear with Invisalign or different clear aligner systems, a lot of times they were detaching or debonding from the teeth. Um, so I sort of adapted or rethought how that button could look for clear aligners. Uh, we were able to patent the product and then we licensed it to Dynaflex to manufacture. And so we got a, a royalty awesome. on the product. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm probably more impressed about that than anything else. That is, oh, thank I, you. I'm I here. love inventors. I love, I have so many sneaking ideas in my head. That's probably why I create so much content, but I have so many ideas. And the fact that you went through the process and you got it patented and now you're licensing it out there. I mean, it's like a Shark Tank story to me. I love it. This is so cool. Thank you. And so my advice for inventors out there, just to get sort of a, a more inventive mind is, always ask yourself, what if, right? A lot of times we just accept things in maybe our business situations, products, systems, mm. and we just sort of, you know, we accept the status quo, but always be in your mind saying, well, what if this was different? And, and that's just sort of how my mind works, I guess. I love it. I think it's so smart. I love it. That's so cool. Well, go check that out too, for those of you doctors that are looking for a, a better way to use that, those attachments. That's awesome. Yep. And buttons on your teeth. Well, we've got to a part in our show where we go through our six questions that we ask everybody uh, to find out a little bit more about them. Are you ready to play? It's kind of rapid fire. Are you ready to play? Ready to play. Let's awesome. do it. So what do you think is the most expensive thing that private practice owners are missing in their practice? So... <sighs> I, I was listening to your Dan Bills interview before, so I'm sort of copying him here, but I do think office culture is priceless. I agree. I would agree with that. I mean, you know, I'm going to actually give you a bonus question too, because you are, you have a different perspective. What's the one thing you wish they would have taught you in school? Uh, I would say how to be a leader and not a manager of people. I think they sort of teach you to, to manage people in school and not necessarily how to inspire and lead them. And, and I, I, I believe you're talking not just about your employees, uh, the, the team members, but also your patients. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that's such a really smart, like how to manage people through treatment 
but how to inspire them and get them on board and enrolled in that. That's really, really smart. What's a book that you believe every private practice owner or associate should be reading? Can I give you two? Uh-huh. All right. So I love uh, Delivering Happiness, which is by Tony Shea. So good. Read that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. So Tony Shea, for those of you who don't know, was the original founder of Zappos before they sold to Amazon. Uh, he st- is he still with the company? He's, he's still with them. Yep. Yeah, he's still with them. One of my favorite things about that book is the very beginning. I don't know if you remember when he's like, hey, look, there's going to be misspellings and grammar is going to be wrong. And I do that yeah. on purpose just to tick off my old teachers. <laughs> I, do I love that. that because I, I'm deficient in the spelling gene. Yeah. My wife won't let me send an email out without her looking at it. So when I read that, I went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, my... My second book I'd recommend is um, Pour Your Heart Into It by Howard Schultz from Starbucks. Onward, which was his other book, was great too. Pour Your Heart Into It. I'll make sure we put that in the show notes too because Pour Your Heart Into It. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So in my book, The Practice Rx, I focus a lot on team culture and and team performance as the foundation for business growth. Uh, What do you see, especially I think you have a different perspective, which is so awesome, what do you see as the biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing with their teams when it comes to office culture? I think just the ability to scale that culture. Um, that's one of the things I'm just completely blown away by at Fishbine Orthodontics and right? how uh, you know Ben and Amanda Floyd have been able to scale that culture because uh, it's sort of it, it's easier to get done in a small vacuum, but then to open up and expand multiple offices fairly quickly and not have things get derailed is just uh, mind boggling to me. Yeah. What a great uh, example you were able to have with that, with being able to watch that and see how that worked. So that's really cool. And I, I agree with you. I think it's a challenge, but we obviously know it can be done. Yep. So how can listeners reach out to you? I know we talked about the podcast and the website for the podcast, but there's any other ways. That the pod- oh, of course. Yeah. Easiest way to reach me is on social media. I'm uh, Chris Setta, C-E-T-T-A. I, a lot of my social media is also under Christopher, which again, that's what my mom calls me. So if you want to get me in trouble uh, or on email, Dr. Setta, D-R-C-E-T-T-A at gmail.com. Awesome. That's great. Uh, what's the best advice that you've ever received in life or in business? Oh, good question. Uh, I would say, so one thing I've struggled with in the past is confidence. So mm-hmm. just something simple that people have told me, uh, one that comes to mind is Dr. Chris Fellman, just be confident in yourself. And it, it's a mindset thing. Uh, but once you're confident, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. 100% agree. I actually do a training around like how confidence is really the game changer in so many things in life. You have the you know, one team in the locker room that's like, hey guys, we can do a good job. Let's win this. And the other team that's like, we are going to win this. We are going, you know, blood on the field if we have to type thing. And it's funny because I know myself, I struggle with that. I'll get on either an interview or I'll get ready to shoot a video or, and I do, I struggle with that confidence factor. I had a mentor once years ago who taught me that to take a moment and look back at your own history of what you've already accomplished and let that be the foundation to your confidence. And that's really helped out a lot. I like that. Yeah. Love that. I love that you use that as the advice in your life. What's the best resource or tool that you believe every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice? So this is maybe so 
simple and obvious, but I think it's just your current patience. So everybody is, is so concerned with the latest digital technology or social media platform and trying to be the best. But if you can create raving fans in your office and develop a deep connection with your patients, they're going to go out and tell, you know, another 10 people about you. And so, you know, just don't overlook the people that are right in front of you. What a breath of fresh air that is right there hearing that because it's so true. People will always go to the new technology or the new software or the new way to market and they're right in front of you. They're mining the diamonds in your own backyard. Like it's, it's so powerful. That's awesome. Wow, Chris, thank you for an amazing you, conversation and a great wisdom. I definitely truly believe that there are people who are listening to this driving doctors who are thinking about getting an associate who now realize, oh, there's definitely these three areas I want to be thinking about when I'm hiring that new associate. Or if I have an associate to go kind of reignite the conversation with them around these things. And not only will you be doing yourself a favor, but your associate as well. Absolutely. And then thank you for sharing with us about your podcast. I highly recommend everybody go and check that out. Oh, get those, listen to those great conversations. And I'm just super impressed with at your, you know, young age in your career, if you will, right? I know you've been there for eight years now, but to have already invented something and shared a piece of you with the industry, like that'll be there forever, right? That's your legacy. That's wow, so- Because I, I never thought of it like that, but yeah. Oh, no, totally. I, as soon as you start talking about that, that's why I'm so impressed by people who invent stuff that you've left a piece of you you know, well, you, you're a Steve Jobs fan, right? The dent I am, in the universe. Yeah, yeah. You've left that dent in the universe. A very, very that. tiny dent. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's a dent. But it's a button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I got to say, for the, cool, the coolest thing for me is I was at an AO meeting, and there was a doctor there from New Zealand who purchased my product. And I ah. just, you know, I'd always, I always want to go to New Zealand and Australia. I haven't been yet. And I just, that just sort of blew my mind that someone was using something I thought of in my mind in their practice in New Zealand. It's super impressive. I, I want you to like talk about confidence, take that in and think about that. That's how so cool. Thank so sure. thank you for sharing that with us. And thank your time. you for I having really me. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Everyone listening, uh, please go reach out, uh, subscribe to the podcast and, and, and help Chris out. And, and gosh, just gave us so many thank great you. nuggets. So thank you so much, everybody. Thanks again, everybody, for being here. And remember, don't forget to share this podcast, subscribe to it, share it with your friends and your colleagues. Let them know what you learned out of it. We want to share as many best practices as we possibly can, always trying to give you the best information that is out there. Again, thank you for listening to the Propreneur Podcast and hope you will always remember that our job here, our goal here is to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. See you on the next episode, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for your support. We'll see you on the next episode.